Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is November the 5th, and our chapter for today is 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. The Apostle Paul has made it clear that he loves these Thessalonians. The followers of Jesus at Thessaloniki had a special place in the life of the Apostle Paul, and we're going to see that like no other in chapter 2. But before we leave chapter 1, let me just remind you of what Paul has been reminding them of, and that is that they had become followers of Paul because he was a follower of Jesus. Now, when you begin at chapter 1 and verse 6, you begin to see the Apostle Paul wrapping up his initial thoughts to the believers. And he told them of the joy that he had in the Holy Spirit through them, and that they indeed had followed him because he was a follower of Christ. Now, let me just stop and parenthetically say that every one of us who lead people in the faith, and whether you are a Sunday school, connection group, life group, whatever you call your small groups, if you are a leader, you need to understand this. People may like you. They may like you because of who you are and your personality and your gifting and so forth. But please understand, many people will like you because you teach them the Word of God. And when you're no longer the pastor and you're no longer their pastor, you're no longer their teacher, then many times that relationship changes. That doesn't mean that they don't love you or they don't care for you or that somehow they are rejecting you. But listen, I found out a long time ago, many people love me because of what they see in me as a follower of Jesus, not because I'm Tony, but because I represent to them the truth of God's word as it's lived out in my life with all its faults and with all of my faults and with all of the failures, they still love me because I teach them the word of God. And if you don't understand that as a leader, you're headed for hurt, disappointment, heartache, because people many times don't like a pastor because they like his personality. Oh, they might not have anything against you, but they don't want to hang out with you always because of who you are, but who you represent. And the moment you don't represent that to them as their pastor, the relationship changes. And whether you realize that or not, then that is the case. And the reason is they move on. People move on to other relationships. And it's not what have you done for me, but what have you done for me lately. I'm not saying this out of resentment or bitterness or anything else, but out of reality of ministry for 47, almost 48 years. The reality is that people many times will want to be around you for the position you hold, not because you're this likable guy that they just want to be around. And when you're no longer their pastor, then you don't hold that position of authority in their life that you once had. And when the next guy comes along, they're going to gravitate toward him as it should be. But there are some people that you're going to be their pastor for the rest of your life. You're going to be their 
remain Bible teacher for the rest of their life. And doesn't matter who comes in, you're going to be their pastor. And when they really have a question, they're going to call you. It's not that they resent anybody that comes in after you, but that is not with everyone. That's what I'm trying to say. There's going to be some that are going to be special to you. And if you're a pastor, if you have pastored two, three, four churches, even more maybe, there's going to be some of those churches that are going to look at you different and you're going to look at that church. There will never be another first church like I had in Haywood, Oklahoma. Those people are special to me. I was young. My wife was young. Many of those who are in leadership in that church now were my peers in their late teens and early 20s. We somewhat grew up together, and even though I was only there around three years, a little bit more or less, they bonded with me and I with them for life. I don't have that with every church that I've pastored. The reality is this is true even in Sunday school classes, and if you're teaching a class for a long period of time, the same class, you will know that if it's young couples, those young couples will pass on through, but you'll go through a period of one, two, three years that you'll say, now that was one of the best times in my ministry. And all to say, this is what the Apostle Paul was saying to the church at Thessaloniki. He was saying to them, you are special to me. Now let's just get right into chapter two. For you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you and preaching to you, teaching you all those things that he did in building that church and starting that church, he said it was not ineffective. It was very effective and you're the product of it. He said, but even after we had suffered before and spitefully treated at Philippi, As you know, we were bold in our God to speak the gospel of God in much conflict. You see, Paul had just come off of a bad experience in Philippi. I would say it was that. Sure, there was great fruit there with Lydia, but that jailer was saved through the suffering of the apostle Paul. Remember, they were beaten. They were publicly humiliated in stocks and bonds in the town square. All of that was not pleasant. Now, you might say, oh, that's like, well, have you been flogged out in front of everybody in your city? Have you been taken to the courthouse and your neck put into a noose and your arms stretched? I don't think so. And so what I'm saying to you, if that's the case, you cannot let that make you bitter against those people or against that city. Or you cannot let that be a taste of all of ministry. So the Apostle Paul said, look, I went through some hard times, but when I came to you, it didn't slow me down any. I was not afraid even if I had to go through that again because of the calling that God put upon my life. And so this is what he's saying. And he said when they came as a team, Paul and Silas and Luke and those who were with him, they didn't come. They didn't shy away from anything. They did exactly what what they should have done, and that was to preach the gospel clearly without deceit, without any kind of bitterness or rancor because the past experiences. Again, child of God, listen to me. You may have been hurt, you may have been damaged, and you were righteous in that. You really were wrongly accused or whatever the case is. You cannot allow that to frame all of your walk with God. It was a time and a season in your life 
But after all, the Lord Jesus was lied about, betrayed. He was victimized, to use modern-day terminology, in every sense of the word. Yet he forgave those that were the harshest against him and who did their very best to spite him. And so this is what the Apostle Paul is saying. In verse 4 he says, But as we have been approved by God, we've been proven by God through testing. And that's why we speak, not to please men, but God, who test our hearts. For neither did we use flattering words when we came to you, nor a, a cloak of covetousness. We didn't come to you because of what you could give us. We came to you because of what we had to give you. And he says, God is witness. We didn't seek glory from men, either from you or others, that we might have made demands upon you as apostles of Christ. You see, the apostle Paul goes on to say that when he was there, look at verse 9. For you remember, brethren, our labor and toil for laboring night and day. That means working. He was working for a living. He wasn't taking anything from them. Why? So that he might not be a burden to any of them. And he he said, we worked and made our own living. We didn't take anything from you so that we wouldn't burden you. Why? Because they were suffering themselves. They were being persecuted themselves. The same things that the apostles went through in the early days of the church, that happened to those believers at Thessaloniki. All you have to do is read through beginning at verse 13 through the end of chapter 2, and you'll see this very thing happen to them. But Paul talked to them as a father and a mother. Look what he says in verse 7. He said, but we were gentle among you. We were not rough with you, even though we were not treated the way we should have been treated there. We were not rough with you. We were gentle with you, just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. So affectionately longing for you. We were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel, but also our very lives. Paul said we would have given our lives for you. Now, here's what I want you to see what happened at Thessaloniki. They were so precious to him. By the way, these people were unique in the life of the Apostle Paul. Paul longed for them. You see all of these affectionate words, these emotional words, these impact words in chapter 2. And the reason is Paul truly fell in love with these people. And even though he was not with them long, he always wanted to be back with them. And I want you to notice something because it's very important. He said, the reason we did this in verse 8 is because you had become dear to us. Now, let me just share with you a principle that I've seen and experienced and now have lived long enough to see this in the life of other leaders and other churches. You see, God puts people in our pathway, and we don't love everybody the same. If you say, I love everybody the same, you're deceiving yourself. You don't love everybody the same. You don't love all the churches the same. You love them maybe perhaps as much as you can. Maybe you don't. But that's beside the point. There are some people that are precious to you, some families that are precious to you. That doesn't mean you're showing partiality. That just means that you have commonalities. You click with them. You can connect with them. We have to be careful not to show partiality, but the reality is we don't like to hang out with everybody as much as we'd like to hang out with some. 
And so the Apostle Paul said, I love you. It's like a mother with children. You're special to me. You're not like other children. You're not like other churches. When you come to verse 11, he says, as you know how we exhorted you, we comforted you, we charged you. All of those words are words that a father does, even as a father does his own children. He had to say some things to them sometimes that were not what they wanted to hear, but he loved them enough to tell them the truth. Any leader knows this. Anybody that's in a relationship with people, you see, if you call friendship and you call somebody a friend that only tells you what you want to hear, they're not really your friend. They're just yes people that are around you. And more than likely, they're just telling you something because they feel like they have something to gain by not confronting you with the truth. Because you see, we've got to love people enough to tell them the truth, not harshly, not in a mean spirit, but we need to help people. That's what Paul said. I've been like a mother and a father to you. This passage in verse 8 is critical. The last phrase of verse 8, because you had become dear to us. This is what I was talking about and started to speak about just a few seconds ago. Everywhere I have gone, I have seen churches a people group or a country or a nation or a group within a nation or a particular part of their country in the United States, there are partnerships that are formed that are different than the other churches in the area and other churches maybe that you as a pastor, you as a leader, you as a member are a part of. God does that many times through leadership and through relationships that form in the church. A group of people, for instance, might go to Central America, to Nicaragua or Honduras or Mexico, or they might from Tennessee or from Texas go to a northern state or a western state and do mission work there. And those people, listen to what I'm saying, become dear to them. They become special to them. And there is a special bond and relationship that's formed with those people that last from now on. And it is something that is near and dear. And no matter who the pastor is that comes in after that, those people are going to say, Pastor, we have a special relationship with these people in Central America or in Romania and Eastern Europe or in Ireland or wherever it is that you have a special relationship. Those people are beloved. And that's the word that is used to translate you are dear to us. You are beloved You see, we are to love all people. I love all children. I really do. I love all children. But my three are my beloved. Why? Because they're in a special relationship with me. And sometimes there are children in churches I've pastored that I love all the children, but there's just one or two that they just get really into my heart and I'm close to them. Sometimes it's uh, small children. Sometimes they grow into teenagers. And we have relationships now that I've gone back and married them and so forth. Why? Not that they don't love the pastor that they have, but you become beloved. You become special. You become dear. And this happens in relationships everywhere that I've gone the last 25 years. Israel has had a special relationship with a church that I've pastored. Why? Because I have a special relationship, and it is so much so that 
If there's not already a bond formed, then those people will form a bond with the Jewish people. There's churches that I've gone into that have uh, special relationships with an African nation, and not just the nation, but a people group within that. For instance, when I was in Knoxville, we had a special relationship with the Maasai people of Uganda and Tanzania and Kenya. The Maasai, especially in Kenya and Tanzania, were part of the people group that God had put on the heart of that church long before I got there with a former pastor. And we continued to support them. And people there had relationships that were for the rest of their lives. That's what Paul is saying to the church at Thessaloniki. He said, you people will always be dear to me. And when I'm away from you, I think about you. I long for you as a mother does for her child that she's nursing or a father longing to make sure that you're okay and that no one's come in and taken you away from the truths that I shared with you. Paul did didn't say that to every church, but he said that to the Thessalonians. And in chapter two, that's what I want us to take away from this chapter is the affection that Paul had for the church at Thessaloniki. They were his dearly beloved. And that's the way that God will bring people into our lives that are really special. They will become mentors to us and mentees to us, and we will have a special relationship and a bond that no one else can explain. And that's the way that God meant for it to be. That's the way it is in the family of God. For On the Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.